Uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham. Colby Powell is doing a little vacation, so I'm going to bring in Marshall Scott, owner, proprietor, editor of PistolsFiringBlog.com. Marshall, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Uh, it seems like you guys take a lot of vacations, but uh, you know that's just how it goes sometimes. Is this uh, is this my boss complaining to an employee for being off too much? No, I was at I was actually so we took a Disney World vacation. Was it two weeks ago? It feels like it was yesterday. Um, and it was like right whenever baseball and softball were kind of like in their heights. I think it was the softball regional weekend. And I was just like, eh, I'm going to go. Uh, I just like kind of looked at Cox and uh, Boone and said, hey, you guys got this. Uh, I'm going to go to Disney World. So, so yeah, it's, it's just that kind of that time of year in the, in the sporting world where, you know, all the reporters can finally kind of take a little bit of a breath. Yeah, I mean, especially in, in television, you know, we're not allowed to take vacation during football season. So that's end of August, early September through, gosh, right, even bowls. I mean, you take a little bit in December, but then the bowls are the end of the month. And we used to have the NBA playoffs for two or three months. So really the summertime was the only time we could, could get away. And I had planned my trip to the Dominican well before I even really, it's just, that's just when my fiance wanted to go. So we, we went and I didn't realize that was during the Women's College World Series. And I think if Channel 5 had realized that too, they probably wouldn't have let me off because my uh, my coworker Brian was live there every night, and it was a big deal. And I, I missed out on on OU and OSU in uh, Oklahoma City. So I, I promise I won't take too many more. Uh, but I appreciate you joining me today. Before we get to all everything we want to discuss, we got a lot to get to. I want to talk to you about the 12 team playoff, Bryce Williams coming back, and of course Marshall has the hot take of Mason Rudolph was better than Brandon Whedon. So we want to break that down in a fun fun way but first let's hear from chris's university spirit your one-stop cowboy shop be sure to go to chrisuniversityspirit.com all day every day they offer free standard shipping on orders over 50 bucks you can't beat that because when you shop online they usually get you on shipping so take advantage of that we appreciate chris university spirit sponsoring the podcast as always and so marshall uh how long has it been since you since you purchased pistols firing from kyle porter how long has it been now i believe i technically took over November 1st. I was kind of pseudo running things from football season onward, but I think the official takeover was, was November the 1st. Gotcha. So we're, we're rapidly approaching one year it won't be, won't be too long for it's November blink of an eye. How are, how are things going? How's the website? How's the, the forums? The forums love me from whatever, every time I get a notification, <laughs> I, I get, uh, I get ripped on the forums a lot, but uh, other than that, how, how are things going for the site? Yeah, it's going well. Um, yeah, anytime you you tweet out anything about the University of Oklahoma, it ends up on the forum. Interestingly enough, anytime you tweet out anything about Oklahoma State, it does not end up on the forum, which is uh, <laughs> interesting. But, but yeah, it goes, it's, I guess. yeah, it's it's been going it's been going really well. Um, it I kind of finally got my sea legs under me. It was a really stressful, I guess, first few months with it was kind of the transition between football and basketball season, and it was tax season, which you know I hadn't had to worry about before. Um, but now things are kind of mellowing out and I'm like, okay, this isn't, you know, it's, I, I don't have to code anything. I'm not, you know, in the, I have to quick books every now and again, but that's fairly simple. So it, it's, it's been a lot, I don't want to say easier cause it's been difficult at times, but it's, it's been less of a hassle, I guess I would say than I initially thought it was going to be. It's been really fun. Yeah. Are you looking forward to football season? Are you going to be going to road games, just home games. What's uh, what's the the outlook look like for you, the football that, season? 
that'll kind of depend on um the oklahoma state athletic department i guess um as to uh, oh yeah i forget about the huge roadblock there is that yes. still a roadblock um it's uh it's being worked on um i'm cautiously optimistic i think is a, a good way of putting it but uh, it's it's still something that's that's being talked about um why it's being talked about is is beyond me but you know hopefully that gets resolved and and then you know I, i'd love to go I, I don't know you know if i can even book a flight at this point but you know they play in boise this year i'd love to do that um I've been that would to, be a fun trip wouldn't it i mean i've never yeah. been close to idaho let alone to, to boise it's got the mountains up there that, that would be a fun road trip that you get to see a smurf turf in person yeah i think the only i think the only big 12 stadium i haven't been to i went you know covered games um when I was with the Ocali in college, I think the only road venue or the big 12 venue I haven't been to is West Virginia. I'm not even sure where the West Virginia game is this year, but you know, a lot, a lot of fun stadiums. Um, I, I think I would try to make, you know, as many games as possible if afforded sure. the opportunity, but, but yeah, that'll, that'll be fun. Um, looking, I, I think I'm going to enjoy because like, like we just talked about, it kind of did the first time off in a little bit through, through all the, the grind of the school yeah. year, but I think I'm going to enjoy a little bit of, you know, free time before, but then, you know, here in a few months, we'll be, we'll be itching and scratching to get ready for football. Yeah. If you, if you get a chance to go to Morgantown, I, I would suggest it. It's just, it's a tough trip. I mean, you, you basically fly into Pittsburgh and then drive an hour and a half South to Morgantown for the game. So it's a, it's a tough trip, but once you're there, it's just, as you can probably imagine, it's unlike any other big 12 campus. Cause it's literally in the mountains that the campus is so undulating compared to like Oklahoma State or you know, the, the flatlands of the Big 12 and the fans are really cool it was a, it was a cool tailgate atmosphere I did a I did a story on it when I was there for, for Channel 5 so uh, I would definitely suggest going if you can and, and I think it's silly that the PFB thing's still going on with OSU surely they'll relent on that I would I would hope because again they they credential some outlets frankly that they don't have a tenth of the following that the PFB does so I've never understood that but uh next time i'm up there i'll i'll throw my weight around see if i can help you out i appreciate that um let's get to some news uh marshall you've been doing a great job covering the basketball program and all the recruiting that, that mike boynton's done I, I ran into mike recently and i can't say enough good things about the guy he's just he's so charismatic and just such, such a cool dude i just can't say enough good things about him and he gets some good news you know bryce williams announces he's coming back I was pretty skeptical at most, like, like most people were Marshall. I'm sure you were too. When he said, I don't like school <laughs> at the end of the last year, I thought that was a precursor to him just turning pro and playing wherever he could, whether that's overseas or here in America, but huge get, I mean, Bryce Williams at times was the best player on the floor for them. So that's a huge get. Yeah, absolutely. You know, whenever he said that, um, the, the, I think his first quote on it was school is my enemy. Um, but, but you kind of think, you know, like, why not, you know, come back an extra year? He wasn't, you know, NBA bound right then. So, you know, like, why not come back an extra year and, you know, be a college kid again. But then whenever you say that, it's like, okay, well, that's the one thing I guess that could, um, deter you from it. But yeah, like you mentioned, he's at, at times he was their, you know, best player on the floor. Um, I, I believe he dropped 17 in the Kansas win, um, had a couple of really big game ceiling steals, um, on the road against tech. And then in that Kansas win where he self ooped like reverse dunked at the end of the at the buzzer God, that was sick <laughs> yeah so you know and he's you know a underappreciated ball handler um he's the only uh, apart from isaac likely the only player on the team who had a positive um, assist to turnover ratio um mm. so he can do a lot of different things obviously defense is really big with him um was a consistent three-point shooter as consistent as they got apart from kate cunningham last year so 
Yeah. In terms of recruiting, you know, it doesn't feel like they just landed a, you know, a five-star prospect or anything, but you know, this was, you know, maybe the biggest recruiting get, and I guess you're going to argue, anybody would argue Bryce Thompson, but this is a big recruiting get for Mike Boynton in the off season. Yeah. And I think it just, it stems the tide a little bit because it felt like the first three or four years under Boynton, they had an entirely new rotation every single year. There was, there was no seeming continuity. And with Avery Anderson coming back, obviously the Boons likely, and now Bryce, it's not going to be a situation where all of these transfers have to meld right away. You have, do you do have some continuity? And it's surprising that Kate Cunningham didn't have a positive assist to turnover ratio. No, so he, but his usage rate was just ridiculous. Let me go find it. Um, so which I guess he had a lot of, he had a lot of bad turnovers. So it's not just totally shocking, but he he did handle the ball a lot. Had 109 turnovers to 94 assists, which is like double the amount of assists as anybody on the team. Um, (laughs) Okay. He made up for it. Yeah. But his his usage rate was ridiculous. And, you know, the the old Fran Fischilla thing that those those shots are going to go in in the NBA um, kind of deal. But yeah. And I was kind of thinking about this yesterday is that the Oklahoma State's guard pool with Avery Anderson and Bryce Williams, they're now Bryce Thompson, Isaac Likely, Rondo Walker. It seems almost deeper this year than it did last year, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you just lost Cade Cunningham at Bryce Thompson. But it's kind of like, holy crap, how are all these guards going to get on the floor? You know, Chris Harris, he's going to come back. He got injured in the very first game, but in his, you know, Gosh, like six he's, minutes. The, he's the forgotten man, isn't he? I forget he's on the team still. Yeah, he's a really good glue guy. And I think that, you know, some he's really good at kind of – Boynton's always talked about how good he is at just fitting in places. He played high school ball with Tyrese Maxey. Um, so he, he's used to, you know, not being the guy, but but finding ways to contribute. So they'll get him back. I think Donovan Williams at some point, I'm not sure if it's going to be this year um, or in the future, he's going to turn into kind of a Jeffrey Carroll type player. They both redshirted, essentially. Donovan Williams also got injured this year, but um, – the, the guard pool is just incredibly deep this year. And, and you, you know, it, I'm excited and, you know, really curious to see kind of what Mike Boynton is going to do with all, you know, how he's going to get all those players, all the minutes that I'm sure that they're going to, that they're after. Okay. I'll put you in Mike Boynton's shoes. It's crunch time, second round of the NCAA tournament. What lineup are you going with? So Avery Anderson's got to be on the floor. Um, I think Caleb Boone at this point has to be on the floor. I think those are the two non-negotiables. Um, I think he, Boynton's talked a lot about, you know, Isaac Likely, he gets, he was their best player, essentially his freshman season, his sophomore season. And then like this year with Cade, you know, they're like, oh, Isaac, I don't even know if I'd start him anymore. I, I think Isaac does so many things um, that win basketball games that, that, you know, it's not always showing up in the points and things like that. So I think Isaac Likely has to be on the floor. And then Likely I don't know kind of you... turned in, Likely kind of turned into like their, their post stopper their post yeah. defender as a point guard yeah he does it in every once in a while they'll switch things up with a one three one zone i'm getting really technical now but he'll be that that bottom guy on the one three one zone and it's usually a guard that has to run corner to corner um and having a six four long guard who could also guard post do that is just ridiculous um i think you also have to have bryce williams out there just because of those clutch steals that he had late and he provides a little shooting am i at four now and then he, you probably say Bryce Thompson. Um, it kind of depends on if Rondo Walker. Matchups, yeah. Yeah. If, if Rondo Walker can develop a three point, uh, a more consistent three point shot this offseason, you know, I think the, the sky's kind of the limit for him just with his, his defensive ability. Um, and then Bryce Thompson, obviously, he's proven that he could shoot in high school, but last year was obviously a struggle for him with all the injuries. So 
I, I don't know, you know, it's a good problem to have, I guess, but there are definitely some, some things that are going to have to be worked out in terms of the lineup. Yeah. And it, it does depend on, on matchups. Like they're playing Oregon state, which was the biggest, one of the biggest teams they played all year. It's tough to throw out, you know, the super small lineup. And there, there are questions to remain like, if Woody Newton becomes the player that I think Mike Boynton wants him to be, he might be a, such a versatile piece that he works his way into that crunch time lineup. So we'll have to wait and see how he develops, how Bryce Thompson kind of melds with the team as well. So you're right, man. I mean, Mike Boynton's going to have a lot of options. And I think I do think they are deeper than last year, which is pretty wild because you, you forget about Harris. I definitely forget about Williams as well. So they're getting some guys back in addition to the players they kept and, and also recruited. So my boy's got it rolling, man. I'm, I'm so fired up for this season. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even mention Keelan Boone, who in spurts is really good. He's a good defender, good rebounder. He can shoot every now and again. And why did, why didn't he did. play more? Why didn't he play more last year? I, I think he was just inconsistency. He's kind of Keelan Boone's enemy. Um, he'll go out there. He's not afraid. He'll get out there the first time he touches the ball, he'll put it up. So oh, it's going I, up. The green light's yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> so I think he's going to develop into a really good player. He's kind of a a polarizing figure um, within the forum, forum that we have, but I think he can just do so many things. I think his, he's like kind of a prototypical NBA three and D guy. He's six, eight. Um, he likes to defend. He can rebound and, and he's, you know, kind of inconsistent at shooting the three, but, but can get it going from out there. And you mentioned Woody Newton earlier, whenever he committed to Oklahoma State, I didn't know a ton about him. So I just did a simple Twitter search and it was just Syracuse fans complaining that Woody Newton wasn't playing more. So um, I, I'm also very intrigued with uh, with what Woody Newton can turn into. Yeah, he got uh, he got a big dose of nepotism because <laughs> he was behind uh, Buddy Beheim. Uh, so I mean, obviously Buddy Beheim is a good player, but I think a lot of people would have preferred Newton get more minutes. So that's that's a great get. I mean, Mike Boyden has really really done a good job in the in the transfer portal. And when I talked to him, he basically said, "Look, we didn't even recruit high school kids," which I know you've written a lot about too. So that's just kind of the way things are moving. And he he's shown he can adapt to the system at hand. So they Bryce still have Williams a scholarship. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. That's, that was my last question before we move on. Just what do you, what do you see them doing with that? I honestly have no, I don't think anything is uh, like, you know, I don't think they have a guy like locked in right now. Um, I was told earlier in the off season, but a lot has changed since then that they intended on, you know, using the extra scholarship. Um, I don't know if you, they've, they've been going after centers pretty heavily. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask about. They haven't landed one of those guys. I don't know if maybe if you don't land one of those guys, you kind of get like a project guard. Cause you, you know, you might lose Avery next year to the NBA draft. You lose um, Isaac likely he'll be a senior. You lose Bryce uh, Williams. So those kind of all, all your ball. Oh, that was, that was a tongue tire. All of your ball handlers um, you will go. be gone at the end of next year. So um maybe you kind of get a, a project guard who can kind of essentially redshirt but but you have a ball handler ball handler that's been in the system um but yeah I, I don't think anything's like set in stone right now with what they'll do with it but I do think that they will use it I'm just not sure really on who are there still some centers out there there was one guy I really liked and it's been since vacation I forgot who he was but they're after some centers are those guys still available like what's the recruiting cycle look like right now so TCU's Kevin Samuel, who kind of slaughtered Oklahoma State both times they played him, um, he entered the portal. He's kind of Ooh. what our forum wants right now. I don't really know if Oklahoma Ooh. State is after him or not, um, but but Oklahoma State has proven that they are okay with taking, you know, other Big 12 teams players in <laughs> with Bryce Thompson and uh, Tyreek Smith, um, who they got from Texas Tech. Um, and then Tyreek Smith, he can somewhat play the center role. He's he's six seven, um, but he's a really good rim to, uh, rim protector. So. 
it'll be interesting. I think that there, you know, this, there's not a whole lot of, you know, seven foot people walking the face of the earth. Um, so, you know, locking in on one of those guys, you know, whenever one of them hits the portal, everybody wants them. Um, so mm-hmm. that'll, that'll be interesting to see because it, it is kind of getting later and later in the cycle. I'm not sure really what that, what that's going to look like. Yeah. I'm sure it'll, it'll surface soon. Boynton works quickly. Um, he's already tweeting out, get your season tickets now. And he, he asked the tweet like good news is coming. Any idea what that would be? That was the uh, the Bryce Williams thing from yesterday. Oh, okay, I got you. Uh, but let's let's transition to football, Marshall. Mike Gundy, you did such a great job covering football recruiting. All the recruits rocking their uh, favorite uniform combinations, which I always love to see which ones they pick. Like, if you put me in the locker room and I got to pick any uniform combination, I would be then there for like an hour and a half trying to pick the right one. But uh, you did a great job with all the the football recruits on campus and stuff. And you you also, I guess, recently today spoke to. Uh, OSU's quarterback commitment. Yeah, uh, talked with a couple of guys who were, it was a big official visit weekend. Uh, last weekend, they had camps um, in the early part of the week and they had official visits, I believe Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or maybe it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. But but yeah, I talked with Garrett Rangel this morning, uh, stories going up in our forums, a Q&A with him. Um, they've, everybody's talked about the pool party, which uh, you've got on the, on the itinerary here. Uh, everybody's talked about the pool party, how you know that was cool that, that Gundy had them all over um Garrett Rangel said he uh he his parents told him that they're like that that was on the schedule it was a pool party at Gundy's but he thought that he was joking like he thought that his parents <laughs> were joking like he didn't even think that that was real um but yeah I think it was good for you know Garrett Rangel he committed in February sight unseen he didn't he hadn't visited um because of you know the pandemic locking everything down and I think Oklahoma State did a good job in bringing everybody you know not everybody but but most of those commits together so they were able to you know, take the group chats that they've all been in and the Snapchat uh, groups that they've all been in and actually put it, you know, hey, this is this is who you've been talking to over the years. And I think that was really good. They had a couple of, of really high-level guys there with them that were uncommitted. Um, Brendan Thompson being one of them, I think he's the number 87 player in the all of the 2022 class. Um, he was there with them, four-star receiver. Um, you know, it, from what I could tell, he had a pretty good time. He's posted pictures. His mom's posted pictures. Um, he's out of Texas. That would be, you know, a monumental get for Oklahoma State to, to snag somebody in the top 100. Um, so, yeah, it, it's I think Mike Gundy and, and that staff has, should be commended on, you know, we, we harp on their recruiting often and for good reason. Uh, but here lately, they've really gotten things going. I think uh, I think maybe the pandemic almost forced them to kind of rethink how they're doing things. And these last few classes have come out really well for it. Yeah, I was I was going to say that, like, you know, I've I've been very critical of the recruiting and it does seem as if the recruiting at a much, much higher level, just in the last, you know, cycle or so, what do you, so you, th- you think it's more to do with, with the pandemic and everything kind of reshaping how they think, or is it just a case of, you know, some, some newer assistants making headway, obviously the offensive line turnover has been ridiculous at the, at the coaching staff level, but Tim Rattay is now getting to, have his hand in who they're recruiting at quarterback. I really like Rangel. Um, I kind of trust OSU just in terms of quarterback recruiting overall. But do you think the, the pandemic's the biggest reason for that? Or is it, do you think it's Gundy just kind of sitting there thinking, man, we, we just got to recruit at a higher level? I think, I don't know, it could be a little bit of both. I think, you know, whenever you get kind of the right guys in, I think players, especially nowadays, are really good at recruiting each other. Um, so I think, you know, they, they did a really good job with this 2022 class of, of getting a strong core early. Um, and then that's kind of allowed them to pull in other, other things. But then you mentioned some assistants, like I see, you know, former OSU linebacker, Ryan Simmons, I see him added in a lot of um, recruits tweets about the thing. Obviously they brought JW Walsh back. Um, so I think, you know, this, 
them kind of having players who have been there and can kind of, you know, say the good graces of things and they're, and they're somewhat young, you know, they can somewhat relate to the, to the high school kids and, and kind of what they're going through. I think that that's, that's obviously good. And then, you know, the pandemic is obviously, you know, not ideal. It's not ideal for anything, not ideal for recruiting, but, you know, I think that there is some truth in them. Maybe that kind of makes you rethink of, you know, how you do things, your virtual visits, you know, maybe uh, somebody, you know, looks at something else a little differently. So I, I, I think it, it's all kind of, you know, a perfect storm almost for Oklahoma state. Um, you know, they're, they're not ever going to, you know, out recruit Oklahoma or Texas, um, but they should be, you know, the third best recruiting school in the big 12. And that's, that's how they've been over the last few classes. Yeah. And that's, that's all I really want to see. Obviously they're not going to be up there with Texas and Oklahoma. No one expects that, but that, that's absolutely where they should be. Cause in the years past, they were down near the, the bottom of the big 12 in terms of the rankings and all that. So you mentioned the Gundy pool party. Uh, great question posed in the daily bullets. You're invited to a poolside barbecue at Mike Gundy's house. As long as you supply the food, what are you bringing? That's my question to you. So Garrett Rangel said the food there was really good. So I'm already almost out because I can't really cook anything. I'm still, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm four years out of college at this point, but I still haven't learned how to cook. Um, so I would probably just go buy something good in town. You know, Bad Brad's is right down the street from me. Um, you know, showing up with cheese fries is never a bad idea. So I would probably just play it off like, Oh, I kind of ran out of time. Um, here's this food that everybody already likes. I like that. I would definitely stop by Chris's University Spirit. Bingo. Pick, pick up some, you know, just some some items to, to set around the table. Uh, people can can keep them if they like. Uh, and then I'm stopping in the hideaway, getting a big country. Who, who doesn't love a big country pizza? That, that would go pretty quickly, even with all the top-notch barbecue that, that Gundy surely would have at his house. But my usual go-to move is just get like, Two or three bags of chips like no one's going to say no to chips and it's pretty easy to, to find one that everyone likes so that's probably my go-to move is, is the bag of chips it's pretty foolproof yeah absolutely and i don't know he said the food there was good i don't know if that meant that like you know somebody was out there barbecuing or what but well maybe maybe gundy can can barbecue better than lincoln riley do you remember lincoln riley's yeah. <laughs> uh, brisket they got just skewered over twitter yeah. That, that made me sad because he obviously, Lincoln Riley obviously was proud of that because that's why he put it on Twitter. Um, so that made me sad that he was proud of something and then everybody just <laughs> demolished him for it. So I've heard that, uh, you know, Barry Hinson, he's uh, the analyst on Oklahoma State's basketball staff. I've heard he's quite the grill master. Um, out oh. there. So, so maybe you just say, hey, Barry, you're going to come to a pool party and just give him all the supplies he needs. Not a bad move there, but uh, maybe maybe Gundy's undefeated in the barbecue battle between him and, and Lincoln. Uh, I want to get to our, our uh, long, long-awaited Brandon Whedon-Mason Rudolph debate, but first, uh, the 12-team playoff has been in the news over the last week or so. You've written about it and just how it would affect Oklahoma State. What's kind of your main takeaway with the 12-team playoff and how it affects OSU? So I, I think I like it. I, it didn't make sense to me that they were jumping straight from four to eight or from four to 12 without even really considering eight. Um, but it kind of gives those blue bloods, you know, they're by, they can make them feel special. Hey, Alabama, you don't mm -hmm. have to play in the first round of this, like good job. Um, and then it also, I think that, you know, those blue bloods might be in favor of it because say they do, you know, have one dote of a game where, you know, they, they slip up, then they're still likely to get one of those other spots. So um, I think it's really good, and it obviously gives Oklahoma State, a team like Oklahoma State, more of a chance. Um, in the in the college football playoff era, I, I wrote about this, the, the closest they would have come was in 2016, um, where they were the 12th ranked team in the 
um, in the CFP rankings by the time bowl season rolled around, but then they wouldn't have got in. They would have been the first team out because Western Michigan would have jumped them as a conference champion needing to get huh. in. So, so that would have been a little dicey. That would have been pretty OSU for them to be out because Western Michigan, who was ranked like 20th or 15th or something like that, needed to jump up there and play in it. So um, it, it obviously gives, you know, teams like Oklahoma State more of a chance um, that could help with recruiting for, for all of those schools. So I think that that's a big deal. And I think it, you know, the, the same schools are always going to win. You know, the Clemsons, the Alabama, you and Colby were talking about this. Um, but it's it's more football. I don't know who's going to complain about more football. Um, obviously need to figure out, you know, the, the paying the player situation, but that's a whole other topic. But um, I, I think it's, you know, win-win for everybody. Um, I see people, you know, complaining like, oh, it doesn't need to be 12. It should only be eight. It's like, do you not want more football? I don't, I don't get that take at all. But um, I think for a team like Oklahoma State, obviously really good because it gives you more of a shot. Yeah, totally. And I, I, th I think the main reason they, they've decided to, to move to 12 instead of eight is just because how irrelevant the bowls have truly become and the bowl system has truly become. This is a way to get more meaningful games in besides the, the eight teams. Because let's face it, the bowls are, other than the, the, the big four, were pretty meaningless and players were opting out and all of that. And I, I just love this from OSU's perspective because, as I mentioned with Colby, in a 14 playoff, OSU has to go undefeated. If they have one loss, the debate will then become a two-loss Georgia, for instance, over a one-loss OSU. And the way things have gone, I, I see Georgia getting in in that scenario because even when Oklahoma got in as a one-loss team, you had Herb Street on on TV saying a two-loss Georgia was better, and other other people saying, "Well, two-loss Georgia might be better than Oklahoma." So if Oklahoma is dealing with that in that perception. OSU's got no chance. And again, no team since 09 has gone undefeated in a Big 12 play. That was Texas and Colt McCoy. So it's just, it's so hard to go undefeated. And that's essentially what OSU has to do. I, I guess they had one loss and then beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game, but that that's a tall ask in and of itself. So this is a much better scenario for them to get at least into the playoff and at least have a fighting chance. Yeah, and the, the report that I was reading was from the AP. They didn't have any mention. They said, you know, the, the five or the six conference champs would get in. They didn't have any mention of Power Five or Group of Five. Um, so if it's just six conference champs, something I found interesting was that um, the Pac-12 wouldn't have got in last year, even with a 12-team playoff. Um, obviously, the pandemic didn't help them a lot. They didn't play a whole lot of games. Um, but both Coastal Carolina um, and who was the other team? Cincinnati, both of those were group of five conference champs that would have got in ahead of Oregon, who I believe was ranked 20th or something like that at the time. So um, I think that, Is that right. I thought just it was power, the, the power five champs and then the, the at large conference champ. So I was just reading from the AP there, there was like a lot of different, obviously stories on it. Um, some of those things I did see did say, um, you know, the power five would obviously get in. I think that's something that, you know, the PAC 12, for instance, would definitely fight for um, to kind of give yourself some security um obviously it's not totally fair on on the group of fives um that if they finish higher than a than an organ that they don't get in but i, I think that's kind of just how it goes yeah well I, I would certainly think if they're doing this that it would be all the power fives or pac 12 wouldn't wouldn't go for this i mean they, yeah in that they, in, in a normal year that would never happen where um you know the, the pac 12 champ would be left out uh because sure, they and, all and, played more games than than the four games or whatever that Oregon ended up playing. Yeah, exactly. And, and in this scenario, I think obviously Cincinnati and, and Coastal would get in at, at large in addition to the, the other five. So that that's encouraging. I, I do caution people, and I've mentioned this before. I mentioned it on Crashing the Boards on Sunday. For people who think like 
the other at-large teams are going to be some of these have-nots. It's just going to be more SEC teams and more Big Ten teams, which, again, SEC, fine. They've, they've earned the respect. They've won national championships. I get it. They put players in the NFL. I don't get the Big Ten. I never have. It's basically Ohio State and the 11 Dwarfs. I mean, Ohio State's running the Big Ten. Other than that, who? no one in that conference can compete. I mean, for back-to-back -back years in the playoff, the Big Ten didn't score a point. They got shut out in back-to-back -back years. That includes Ohio State for that matter. But I just – I'm worried this is going to turn into the SEC Big Ten Invitational. Yeah, the, the Big Ten at this point, it's like the ACC but with history. So, you know, you've got historically good programs like your Michigans and stuff like that. Um, but it's really just like the ACC where it's just Clemson and everybody else. Um, and now the Big Ten is just Ohio State and everybody else. Yeah, but, yeah. Michigan State, Minnesota, Iowa, give me a break. They, yeah. They're terrible. Yeah, and, you know, you kind of mentioned that it's just going to be those teams. I feel like since the college football playoff ranking has been around, I mean, it's been harder for any other team to get in the top four than it was in the BCS era um, because, you know, they, they know who they want those spots to go to. Um, so you mentioned, like, the two lost SEC schools are going to get in. So I feel like, you know, now is it going to be harder for, you know, those those other programs, you know, maybe like a three-loss SEC schools hanging around at 10 instead of, you know, a, a one-loss Big 12 school or two-loss Big 12 school. So that'll kind of be interesting to see how the politics go into it as far as the voters go. Well, I'm just glad we don't lump OSU not getting in over Western Michigan along with the other travesties of the BCS with the Alabama one and and all, all the other, you know, screw jobs OSU's gotten with, with college football. That, that would have been tough to take, and I'd, I'd still be tweeting about it probably if Western Michigan got in over them. <laughs> yeah, that would have that would have been because whenever I was going to find that, I was like, oh, in 2016 they should have got in, and then I was going through it, and I was like, wait, there's not a group of five champ in here anywhere, and then I then I found one, and it was past OSU, so that that would have been definitely rough. Definitely. All right, are you ready for our Mason Rudolph versus Brandon Whedon debate? I've been ready my whole entire life. <laughs> <laughs> well, you uh, had a hilarious tweet with that. Is that SpongeBob SquarePants that meme? I'm not a yes, big SpongeBob it's, fan. It's Patrick Starr in the meme, but but yes, it's from That's SpongeBob. Patrick Starr. I'm learning things here. This is uh, old man Carson trying to talk SpongeBob, but hilarious meme. You said Mason Rudolph is the better quarterback than Brandon Whedon in school history, and you wrote an article about it. And again, this is a, a fun natured debate. And again, I, I hate having to pick apart Mason Rudolph's resume, but when the good name of Brandon Whedon is being put behind him, I'm going to have to. But again, these are the two best quarterbacks in school history. There's no right or wrong answer, but uh, lay out the case for me that uh, that Mason Rudolph deserves to be number one over, over Brandon Whedon. We can kind of go back and forth between their, their resumes, numbers, however we want to want to take it. All right. And, and again, cannot stress this enough, both historically great college quarterbacks both all of the caveats all the precursors um okay so but mason rudolph's better so here's why so um i i've laid this out i actually wrote this article maybe a year two years ago um yep. so career um let's just look at we'll, we'll start with whedon senior season which 2011 mason rudolph season which was uh, 2017 um mason rudolph had more yards um, about 200 more yards the same amount of touchdowns four fewer interceptions, um, a higher pass efficiency, obviously higher yards per attempt, um, his total TDs, because he, you know, uncharacteristically for him, ran for a lot of touchdowns that year. He had 47 touchdowns to Brandon Whedon's 38. Brandon Whedon only ran for one touchdown. And then, th this is the big, the big shebang. In the last two years of Brandon Whedon being a starter, which was 2010, 2011, um, let me find this number. 
Um, so OSU allowed a combined in, in 2010, 2011, OSU allowed a combined 22 sacks. In Mason Rudolph's junior and senior seasons, which is 2016 and 2017, OSU allowed a combined 56 sacks. So 30, Rudolph was sacked 34 more times than Brandon Whedon was in those last two years. And people are, I've had people come at me say, oh yeah, some of those are Rudolph's fault where he held on the ball too long. I'm like, okay, find me 34 of those where those are <laughs> Rudolph's fault that he held it on the ball too long. So I, I just think that if you dropped Mason Rudolph in into that 2011 team, it, I, I, I don't know if it gets better because you know that 2011 team was outstanding, but I think he does as good a job, if not better. Um, Brandon Whedon also had you know, the greatest receiver in college football um, on his roster. You know, he could throw a lot of slant routes that would just end up going for, for 90 yards. Um, you know, James Washington was was elite, um, but I don't think anybody's going to argue that he was better um, than the two-time Politnikoff winner in, in Justin Blackman. So I just think Rudolph was better. He was on a worse team. That, that, that's just kind of how it goes. He didn't win a Big 12 championship, but he also had to compete with Baker. Um, Brandon Whedon had to compete with Landry Jones for that Big 12 championship. So th- th- there's a difference there too. Um, I, so yeah, that's my argument. And, and Robert Griffin who won the Heisman. Okay. And Robert Griffin who won the Heisman, but okay. All right. Carson, All right. you go, you go ahead. You said your why, piece. I, why, why I, Whedon is better. It's the best, the best feather in Mason's cap is what you mentioned about the supporting cast, particularly the offensive line. That's something that is extremely hard to ignore when, when debating the two quarterbacks, because the sack numbers you gave are totally accurate. Whedon could kind of stand back there with virtually an NFL offensive line and just have all day to throw to, I think, the best receiver in the history of the sport in Justin Blackman. The numbers back that up. He's got two Blitnikoffs. Mason did get to throw to a Blitnikoff award winner himself and James Washington. But I think the argument for me in terms of the total numbers is Brandon Whedon was so good that he didn't have to play in the second half in 2011. I mean, you just go through it. He absolutely murdered Arizona, who was ranked coming into that game. They had like 50 at halftime against Tulsa. Didn't have to play in that game. Or wait, that's 2010, sorry. 2011, that was the uh, was the 3 a.m. game. They won 59 to 33. Uh, the Kansas game, they won 70 to 28. I believe it was like 42 to nothing, and he didn't even finish the first half. Uh, I can keep going. The, the Baylor game against Robert Griffin, they won 59 to 24. Didn't have to play in the second half hardly in that game. There was just so many lost up they beat texas tech 66 to 6. i mean brandon didn't have to play in the second half in a lot of these games whereas mason had to because the games were a lot closer so that would be my first uh argument is that they were just he just was so good that he didn't have to finish the games but um you're right in terms of the total yardage it's very similar but i i would argue that that whedon was so dominant in 2011 that he didn't have to play a whole bunch and my counter would be, we can just go through, uh, let's see here. Let's go to Mason's. Let's just, let's just stick with the last season that you mentioned, 2017 versus 2011. And we can go to the losses. This is the big hole in the Mason Rudolph argument. Let's just go to TCU at home. OSU's what, ranked third in the country? Fifth? What were they ranked coming into that game? Here, I can pull it up. They were sixth. I'm sorry, sixth coming into that game. Mason goes 22 of 41, 398, two touchdowns, two picks, loses at home to Kenny Trill. Does Mason or does Brandon have a worse loss than a home loss to Kenny Hill on his resume? I okay, I don't want to bring up the 2011 loss, but he did throw was it two or three interceptions in that in that Iowa State game? Let's see. I think it was four. 
I think it was four. It was Maybe three. Go back. He threw three touchdowns, three interceptions. He did throw for 476. Um, but that was an Iowa State team that, you know, obviously extenuating circumstances with the plane crash, things like that. But that is a that is a game that Oklahoma State should not have been losing that year. No, that's that's again, that was his only loss that year. Um, let's see here. So that's just okay. That's his one loss in 2011. Let's stick with 2017 as well. Um, the this this to me is is really the TC, TCU was a good team, even though it was Kenny Hill. But Mason loses to a six and five Kansas State team. He threw for 425, three touchdowns, two interceptions. And again, I know you're going to point to he threw for 400 yards. But let's see here. OSU was down by let's see. 20, 35, 42. It was 42 to 20. And then OSU scores 20 points in the fourth quarter in, in basically garbage time. And OSU's driving. Mason does all of this to bring them back during prevent defenses. And he throws the game-ending interception. There is no worse loss on Brandon Whedon's resume that I think Rudolph was a big part of uh, than losing at home to Kansas State. But would that 2011 defense have allowed Kansas State to score 45 points? Kansas State to look to make Skylar Thompson go 10 for 13 with three TDs. Well, uh, Brandon Whedon. Well, Brandon Whedon played Kansas State at home, and they scored that was 45 a different K-State points. Team. That was a different K-State team. It was a lot better Kansas State team. They're yeah, 14th in the saying. country. And yeah, you're, to so, your point, yes, th- their defense did allow 45 points to Kansas State, and Brandon scored the game-winning touchdown on the game-winning on the last drive instead of throwing the deciding interception. This is this is exactly my argument. We can talk about numbers, we can talk about a lot, but to me it's about moments when you got to deliver. And I just feel like there's more instances I'll get to where where Rudolph would throw a, a bad interception and that was that. So uh, that's kind of my argument with it. It's, it's the TCU loss, that was the game where, yeah, where Oklahoma State is driving late and then they throw this trick play. I, I believe is in plus territory. I believe OSU is like on the 40 going in uh, where Jalen McCluskey comes out, gets a little wide receiver screen, and then throws a ball. I believe it's supposed to go to Dylan Stoner. Ended up going to TCU. And that just kind of ended the game right there. So that that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, um, that, oh, yeah, that was, that was TCU, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I see. I, I understand wins and losses. I totally get that. I just think that the team that Brandon Whedon was on was just generally better than than the two teams, mainly because of the offensive line. Um, but then there were some, you know, the the OU game in 2017 where <laughs> OSU scores 52 points and they lose, and they're like, "Yep, Rudolph could never get it done against OU." And it, well, a he won that that Bedlam game in 2014, and b if you score 52 points as any quarterback, you should be like, "Okay, I should have won that game." Um, I totally get what you're saying in wins and losses. I just I still think that you have to look past that in terms of. If you put Rudolph in Whedon's scenario, I think things go just as swimmingly, if not better. I'm glad you brought the game up. Classic Bedlam. I believe OSU was favored in this game. It's a, an all-time, all-time game between Baker Mayfield and Mason Rudolph. 41-38. OSU's driving. Uh, let's see here. What moment in the game was this? Uh, I can't remember. But Mason throws an interception on the goal line. And... This is right after Baker Mayfield throwing an interception. And just for me, an even matchup, your favorite at home, you cannot throw an interception on the goal line against Oklahoma. When when was this? This was 41-38. 
uh, late third quarter, I guess it was. It was about a minute left in the third quarter. So it wasn't in my mind, it was like late fourth quarter, but it was, it was third quarter and there was a lot more football played afterwards. But those are, those are kind of the moments that stick out to me with, with Mason throwing timely interceptions. I just think he scored 52 points in that game. He threw for five touchdowns. <laughs> he, like he, his touchdowns also weren't just to James Washington. He had one to James Washington, two to Tyron Johnson, who, as we've discussed very a whole lot on this site, on this podcast, that he should have been playing more. But Tyron Johnson didn't play a whole lot um, up to that point. Two, threw two touchdowns to Tyron Johnson, two to Marcel Aitman. I just, again, I think if you score 52 points, it doesn't really matter who you're playing against. I think you should win that game. It wasn't Mason Rudolph's fault that, you know, OSU's defense allowed Baker Mayfield to go for 598, five touchdowns, and then Marquise Brown had 265 yards um, receiving. So I think he scored 52 points. You count that as a win. And Mason threw an interception at the end of the Bedlam game? I don't remember this. I think it was like – it might have been on a fourth down. Was it just um, like a Hail Mary? I, yeah. I, I think I, we was... all remember the uh, the deep pass to, to Tyron that was incomplete. Yeah, I think it was either fourth down or third down, and it was just uh, like late. He was just forced. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the game was basically decided when they – because they were down 10 at that point, and they'd already gone out on four, on four downs. So that's the last season for, for Mason, but we can keep going. Let's 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 go further back in time. Um, I've got so many box scores pulled up here, it's hard to find. Yeah, Mason's. my tabs are ridiculous right now. Uh, let's see here. Well, I'm completely lost. I've got too many tabs. I'm just gonna have to Google Mason. Let's just talk again. about this. Let's talk about the Central Michigan game. That's what that's what we're getting to. Oh, let's we can get there. We can get there. But let's go back to again. I think 2016. Again, another year where OSU was high up in the rankings. You know, they're getting a lot of um, playoff buzz. Let's go back to 2016, which is, I know you, you know, it's where I want to go. And again, I, I blamed Mike Gundy for this loss to central Michigan because he didn't know the rules. He, he literally did not know the rule and called for a play that enacts a penalty. So they lose at home to central Michigan which again, all the controversy aside, Gundy has to know the rule before he tells Mason to throw it in the stands. And he didn't, simple fact. Rudolph throws for 286, uh, 34 QBR rating, two touchdowns, one interception. Mike runs a direct snap to Dylan Stoner on the one yard line because he was so frazzled <laughs> with Mason at this point. Uh, but there's no loss that even approaches this on, on Brandon Whedon's resume. They, they scored right. twenty. They scored twenty-seven points. So the the argument that OSU had no O line and no defense, specifically no defense, it's tough to argue. Okay, Rudolph sacked four times in that game. They allowed Central Michigan to sack Mason Rudolph four times, and then also <laughs> this is the what the second game of the season. In the season prior, Mike Gundy didn't allow Mason Rudolph to play in the red zone because that was J.W. Walsh territory. Who I think he was kind of just you know doing Walsh a favor there at the end. I don't really think that was a, a Rudolph issue i think that was more so just you know jw Walsh. he was kind of stuck in at a weird time him and clint shelf both um didn't benefit from from being in stillwater at the same time but oh we'll we'll get to the we'll get to the walsh scenario earlier in his career for sure but so he didn't he that's essentially his first game where he's playing in the red zone um sacked four times they allow cooper rush to throw for 368 and four tds um not a good win not you know i can't i can't say anything did throw an interception not not a good game for mason rudolph but I, I still am holding firm better college quarterback than Brandon Weed. 
Well, how much did did how much did Rush throw for in the final play? It was a oh, the fifty yard touchdown. So he threw just north of three hundred without without the, the hail mary. So again, I don't know how you argue uh, that loss, but we can go further in twenty sixteen. Let's get back to it. Uh, let's see here. Okay, the, this this is another again. We're this is a theme, Marshall. Just a terrible loss on the road to a a really a bad Baylor team this year. Let's see here. Rudolph at Baylor, they lose. He doesn't throw a touchdown. Uh, 279, zero touchdowns, one interception. They lose on the road to Seth Russell in uh, in Baylor. Now, to your point, I'm sure you're going to bring it up. Russell throws for 387, four touchdowns, one pick. Uh, James Washington didn't have a touchdown in this game, but they scored 24 points. They scored 24 points in this game on the road to Baylor. Mason Rudolph sacked four times was this was this justice hills freshman year also i believe so so this was the year that mike gundy was saying i just want to rush for 100 yards in a game like i don't care anything about i just want to run for 100 yards in a game which is crazy to think now that you know got chew hubbard who was nearly rushing for 200 yards a game by himself um so he had little to no run support in that game justice hill did run for 122 had a touchdown Randy childs put on another two touchdowns but they weren't a really good rushing team. They didn't have a good offensive line. He was sacked four times, and he, on top of that, had a bad game. I'll give you that. Baylor was 6-6 six and six that year, 3-6 and six in conference play, lost six in a row to finish Big 12 play. Bad, 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 bad loss. No loss like that on, on Whedon's resume. Let's keep going. Uh, my, my case is not settled yet. Let's go down to Norman. And, again, I want to reset people's brains here. 2016. OSU's nine and two, OU's nine and two. This is not some unbeatable juggernaut OU. It's Baker Mayfield versus Mason Rudolph. I believe it was close to a pick'em. OSU was getting some love in this game coming in. It's a, it's a, it's rainy. Uh, Mason's hands, which we'll talk about earlier in his career as well, uh, becomes an issue. He goes 11 of 25, 186, no touchdowns, uh, no interceptions, a 51 QBR. Uh, Jawan Seals leads the way with three catches and 80 yards and Mayfield just 13 and 19, 288, three touchdowns, no picks, 96 QBR, uh, just totally, they, they scored 20 points, completely laid an egg. And some of this is on Gundy, I think for not opening things up, but I don't know. It's just, to me, this is just a, a really a poor, poor, poor performance in, in which was, a big 12 championship was on the line. This is essentially a big 12 championship game. Yeah, that was the strangest game that I think I, I was there. I was in the press box for that game. It was, you know, kind of raining. And for some reason, Gundy decided, hey, we're not throwing the ball today. Uh, in that team, again, where he was saying, I just want to rush for 100 yards. He threw the ball 25 times, which is just ridiculous for, for you know, what Oklahoma State's accustomed to. Again, bad loss. I won't, I won't say anything about that. But, you know, he's... 11 for 25 what are you going to do with 25 passing attempts obviously baker mayfield went 13 for 19 only had 19 passing attempts three for three touchdowns but obviously a little bit different of a of a story there so again bad loss i I don't know if that one's a bad loss but you know bad performance didn't look great still sticking firm that you put rudolph in that 2011 team things are way different okay well i want to keep going on rudolph's resume and again in the issue of fairness i will get to some of some of Whedon's more more tricky uh, tricky outcomes, uh, but first let's go to 2015 with Mason. I'm not done with bad losses. Uh, let's see here. 
2015. What's the game I'm thinking? Of? Oh yes, this is actually a win. We're gonna we're gonna debate a win here. All right. I'm I'm down on the field. It is about 115 degrees at field level down in Austin, Texas. Mason and the Cowboys are just rolling at this point. And Mason throws what looks like a like a punt. It's almost like a fair the, the the Texas defensive back almost fair catches it for an interception. Texas goes down and scores. Mason fumbles because his hands are slippery or small. It's sweaty. I, I get it. Uh, Texas picks it up and runs for a touchdown. And all of a sudden, OSU's backs are against the wall. And at this point, Mike Gundy gives up on Mason. He puts J.W. Walsh in the game and starts running the veer. He starts running. He runs a, a quarterback sweep on third and 10 and just punts. And the rest is history. Texas uh, punter <laughs> fumbles the ball and OSU kicks a, a game-winning uh, field goal. But even in a win, even in a win, uh, Marshall, this is a pretty dicey, dicey performance from your from your best quarterback of all time. What, what was uh? Can you remind me what Brandon Whedon was doing his sophomore year? Uh, he was saving the day against Colorado and should have been playing in Bedlam where they probably would have won. Ah, uh, yes, he wasn't even on the field. Is what you're what you're saying to me? So yes, weird things happen in Austin, and they got the win. I don't know what you want me to say. They, that Austin was a weird place for, just for Mason Rudolph's cardiac, career. Just say cardiac Cowboys. That explains yeah. a lot. The 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 Ramon Richards interception. Um, we were both there for that game. That was a weird game um, in Austin. <laughs> Things get weird. Keep Austin you got weird. Those games. Yeah. Keep Austin weird. I get it. But that's that's uh, another case where he kind of gives up on his number one quarterback of all time. And let's go down to Lubbock. OSU wins 70 to 53, but again, for some reason, Mason Rudolph gets, he, he throws 285, two touchdowns, one interception with a 55 QBR, and Mike Gundy's seen enough. He goes to J.W. Walsh, who throws a bomb touchdown to uh, James Washington. Walsh goes 405, 167, two touchdowns with a 99 QBR, and this game was back and forth. They go against Patrick Mahomes, who threw for 480 and four touchdowns, but at no point was Brandon Whedon benched and, and Rudolph gets benched again in 2015. Well, no, Brandon Whedon wasn't benched. His, he was benched his sophomore year because he wasn't on the field to begin with. <laughs> well, he, he was he was the uh, backup quarterback to uh, Zach Robinson, yeah. who had uh, established himself and had earned, had earned that right, to quote Mike Gundy. Do you think Mason – how old is Mason Rudolph right now? About as old as Brandon Whedon would have been while he was actually in Stillwater? <laughs> Well, <laughs> if Mason had torn his shoulder playing pro baseball, he would have a lot more to overcome too. But uh, this is again, if, if Twitter was around in 09, I think it was, I think we can probably go back to my tweets in 09. I was, I was on the field for that Bedlam game where OSU gets shut out when Robinson had a bum shoulder. I was literally filming Brandon Whedon standing on the sideline wondering why he wasn't coming into the game because he looked so good against Colorado. And I think a lot of people would have preferred Brandon to come in the game when he was a, a, a sophomore. So that's, that would be my argument towards that. So what, did, uh, what was the Alex Kate year? Was that just the start of 2010? That was 09. That was when uh, okay. Kate started the Colorado game because, because yes. Zach had got a concussion against, I believe it was Texas tech the week before he was, he was injured with some, some sort of thing to where everyone kind of thought, um, I was saying they should play Whedon, but everyone like he started Kate because Kate had been there a long time and, there's a whole lot of other issues with that. And then Kate, I believe, went 0 of 9, had an interception, and had like two more interceptions dropped. 
to where there was no other choice but to put Brandon in. And that's when the, the Whedon to, to Blackman connection uh, truly began. So in 2014, obviously he comes in, Mason does, beats Oklahoma, an eight and four Oklahoma team. You got to give him a lot of credit for that, considering he got yanked out of red shirt, played admirably down in Waco in, in another rainstorm down there as well. So I'll, I'll give Mason a lot of credit for being an 18 year old kid getting thrown in there and winning a Bedlam game, which, you know, Brandon only won one of those. So they're, they're even in, in terms of that. And in the issue of fairness, I will go to 20, 2010 for Brandon Whedon. This is a game no one ever talks about. And when I'm arguing this, I hope no one ever brings it up. So I'll bring it up for you in the issue of fairness. I remember watching this game. This is Brandon's second career start against Troy at home. OSU wins 41 to 38. And Brandon threw for 348, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He had a broken thumb coming into this game. I think he hurt his thumb either in, in – the fall camp or the first game of the year. I can't remember what, what the situation was, but his thumb was hurt so bad. This started the first shotgun victory formation because they tried to take a victory formation and Whedon fumbles it. OSU recovers. And then they go to the shotgun kneel down. And I think that's now what teams, a lot of teams do, including uh, OSU. So this, this is a game that no one really remembers, but man, it got dicey for Brandon and company at home against Troy. See, that very well could have been the Central Michigan game. The Central Michigan game, they didn't – they technically – well, they technically did lose because that's, you know, where it is in the record books. But they, they shouldn't have lost because the, you know, the untimed down shouldn't have happened. So maybe Troy gets an untimed down there, and then all of a sudden they're in the same boat. Yep, and that Troy team was – let's see, they won two, three, four – they had five losses. That would have been a really, really, really bad loss. <laughs> Uh, I'll stick with the issue of fairness because I'm a, I'm a fair person. Brandon did lose at home to, let's see here, Nebraska. This is the, this is the Taylor Martinez, the T-Magic game. Again, the hype was, was getting very real for Oklahoma State. They were undefeated at this point. They did score 41 points in a loss. Now, if you want to talk about bad defense, that 2010 defense was every bit as bad as anyone Mason played with. And – he scored 41 points. And in some of these losses that I mentioned, Rudolph didn't get over 31 points. And so they did lose at home to Nebraska and, and Taylor Martinez. But his two losses in 2010, they each scored 41 points. And I believe in Mason's career, he had the 52-point loss to Oklahoma. But other than that, some of their losses, they, they struggled to get to 30 points. I will again say the offensive line, but that's a, that's a worn-out narrative at this point. Yeah. Uh, but again, I think that's the, the number one thing if you're going to argue Mason is the offensive line and defense. And, and this is where I, I really do think Mason is completely underrated in terms of his college career. When you factor those two things in, you factor in, to me, he reminds me a lot. And this is going to be kind of a weird comparison. Speaking of old guys, Jason White, who was a sixth year senior at Oklahoma, Jason White in college was one of the best deep ball throwers I've ever seen. If you go back and watch some of Jason White's highlights, it's just, it looks a lot like Mason Rudolph where he's just throwing 50, 60 yard touchdowns all day long. And I think that's what it, it they're very similar in that White didn't have a career in the NFL because his arm strength wasn't good enough yet. He was this unbelievable deep ball thrower. And I think you're seeing some of the same things with Mason in the NFL. You just don't see him throwing it down the field a whole bunch in the NFL. He doesn't quite have the, the arm strength, I guess, what it takes to that league. And 
you look at James Washington, he's not just running by everyone in college as well. So I think Mason helped Washington a lot and vice versa in college. And just, I think it gets lost on how good of a deep ball thrower he was in college. Cause that to me is like, what was the number one trait of Mason? Yeah. And I think that, I don't, I don't think his NFL career is over by any means. He's, you know, the Steelers signed him again. They, they gave him another contract. So sure, yeah. he, he's hanging around in there. I think that, you know, at this point, you know, I wouldn't think that they'd keep him around this long if they didn't see him as at least competing to be the heir apparent for, for Ben Roethlisberger when he hangs it up at the end of this year, next year, whenever that, that time comes. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to argue uh, NFL careers because honestly, both guys haven't really, hadn't really done a whole, whole lot. Um, that, that'll be a, a discussion for 10 years down the line. But um, yeah, you know, like we said, both guys, outstanding, outstanding all time, great quarterbacks and not only in, you know, OSU history and like big 12 history, um, both should get some love in some like college football history. So um, there, there, there isn't a wrong answer. It, it's a lot of fun to debate though. And uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with Rudolph until forever. So I didn't, I didn't convince you that Wheaton's better. But, no, uh, I think the offensive line, 34 more sacks, Carson. He was sacked 30. He, Wheaton wasn't even sacked 34 times. He was sacked 22 times. And Mason Rudolph was sacked 34 more times than those 22 times. Well, Wheaton gets rid of the ball. I mean, tell, yeah. tell Mason to throw the ball away. Yeah. <laughs> and Mason did, Mason did think of himself as if he was like J.W. Walsh running the football. He was very confident in his running ability. But uh, clearly he wasn't as good of a runner as he thought he was. Because he got that, sacked uh, so many times. In that OU game, the, the rain game in Norman, um, the 2016 one, uh, Rudolph ran, he had like a 20 yard touchdown run or something like that. And I, I forget which OUDB it was standing on the goal line, but Rudolph could have gone like to his left, to his right and scored easily. And Rudolph just stuck his shoulder down and plowed over that guy. It was, it was cool until Samante P Ryan then plowed over whoever he plowed over and took that knee. So, but yeah, Mason showed that a few times. There was a game at home. I believe it was like the West Virginia game on homecoming where he like lowered his shoulder again and ran through. I think Mason really fell in love with the, the, uh, the, the goal line touchdown runs and he was, he was unafraid. Uh, yeah, he, he was awesome. He to his sophomore year because JDB Walsh was in on the red zone. So he wanted to show everybody that, that he was fully capable of, of scoring tight yardage touchdowns. One last note again, he did Mason did have to play against Baker Mayfield, but again, big, bad Robert Griffin, the third getting all this Heisman love. Wheaton was up 49 to three in the third quarter. That that's essentially his, his Baker Mayfield matchup. Anyone, he was up 49 to three. I mean, that's, that's pretty hard to argue, mate. Uh, Marshall, I almost called you Mason. But was the rest of that Baylor team as good as the rest of Baker's OU teams were? Uh, let's see here. Probably not. Definitely um, not. I mean, Hollywood Baker, Brown. Baker's, I would argue that, that Robert Griffin's defense was better than the defenses Baker Mayfield played for. Honestly, don't. I remember that, you know, I remember watching. I mean, um, OU was historically bad defensively. I mean, historic. I mean, Mike Stoops got fired during the season. They were so bad. And Rudolph took advantage of, he put 52 on him in, in 2017. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what more he's supposed to do there. Yeah. Baylor went 10 and three that year. Uh, They beat, uh, they beat Washington in the Alamo Bowl that year. So good debate, Marshall. I can't convince you, but uh, Whedon's my number one. Rudolph's your number one. And uh, we can probably argue this another another 10 years from now. But uh, you're doing a great job with PFB. Does it make you feel old real quick before we go? Does it make you, like, I feel old every single day. 
watching these guys that I follow that I covered, like I covered guys like uh, Josh Cooper and when they were in high school, that's how old I am. Does it make you feel old that Ryan Simmons and JW Walsh are on the coaching staff? Absolutely. And I don't know, there's, there's a couple of things that I'm starting to feel older and older now. I don't have TikTok. Um, Me either. I, I hear that's quite the, the fad these days. And then I've, I've kind of started to get more into international or not just international, but like soccer, um, overseas soccer. And, you know, the wonder kids are always fun to watch. And I'm like, yeah, it's fun because like, he's my age, you know, and then I'll look at his age and he's, you know, 22 and I'm 25. And I'm like, wait, he was born in 2000 or whatever. So it's uh, yeah, a couple of, couple of, I'm feeling old moments. Don't feel like I um, relate to the TikTok crowd very well. Um, and that's just, I guess that's just part of it. Yeah, the uh, the day that you get older than the college football players is a sad day, yeah. and it only gets worse from there. I'm sad to report. Yeah, it's a uh, it's been rough. Any anytime I, you know, look up birthdays and they're in the 2000s, I'm just like, oh sheesh, like this is this is not going well. No, it's uh it's not going well. But hey, time moves on. We get older. And Marshall, you were a great sport. I appreciate the debate. I appreciate you running PFB. You're doing a great job. And uh, Thanks for joining us, and I'm sure we'll have you on again this summer. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.